We welcome you to the media ministries of the Gathering Church in the Countryside YMCA of Mainville. As we love the Lord and each other, we're trusting that God would use us to plant a church in every YMCA around the world. To this end, would you join us? We meet on Sundays at 10 a.m. and in community groups throughout the week. As you listen to this resource, our prayer is that your love for Jesus would grow deep and your love for others would be seen and heard. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I'm going to see of the goodness of God. We're going to sing of the goodness of God. We're going to sing. We're going to sing of the goodness of God. Amen. It is good to be together. And um, I have just enjoyed the Lord in the last uh, few moments. So, uh, worship team, thank you for just serving the body of Christ and, and leading us uh, closer to Him. Uh, that is, uh, that's the chief end of man, isn't it? To glorify God by enjoying Him forever. And so we just we pray that as you sing and take communion, and he's, even as Hannah and I got to just walk around and, and, um, and see you and pray, it's, it's just a joy to be together again. Well, hey, um, before uh, we dive into the Word, just a couple of announcements. Um, as you heard, there's a community group sign-up this Sunday is in Sunday. Uh, there's some lists in the back. Uh, look through your schedule and uh, join a group. We are excited about that. Um, tonight, actually, uh, the youth group will um, uh, pick on up again for 2021, as well as kids' worship. Okay, I think there's a slide for that. But like if you kids are if you're age from five to ten, you'll be in this room and we will be singing our guts out. Are you guys ready for that? Yes. Good. We'll be singing. He leadeth me tonight. And one of the great like um, treasures and like gifts that, that we've had the chance to see and experience is whenever we sing, we always sing a hymn and then we allow the kids to. Um, read through it and reflect on it and then ask a question. And we have five, ten minutes just talking about what the hymn means, and it's been really fruitful. Um, and then the youth group, uh, 10, uh, 11 and on up in the uh, fellowship hall, and it'll be from 6 o'clock to 7.30, and that'll be awesome. Uh, all right, um, one more announcement, and that is that last week we uh, casted the vision that we want to be a church that hides God's word in our hearts. And we're going to follow Jesus. And we're going to, we're, we're like pitching that out there to do that together as a church. Uh, and um, the passage that we're going to narrow in on is Romans 8. And as a church, we've said, we're going to help you. We want, to, we want you not to be scared or intimidated, but we're going to walk alongside you. And uh, the design team has come up with something awesome. Okay, um, the design team, Jessa made these journals 
and Lainey Weiland put them together. Uh-huh. How cool is that? Okay. They're in the back and we, we just want you to use them. Okay. And so don't let price get in the way. Okay. Every kid like 18 and under, grab them. Moms and dads, grab them. We've got plenty of them. Okay. And um, there is a little help sheet in the inside cover that talks about a, a different way to go about memorizing scripture each day. And so uh, Monday, it says to copy it down. Tuesday, it says to make up motions to it. Uh, Wednesday, uh, to draw it. Uh, Thursday, to write it from memory. Friday, recite and review. And to take Saturday to dig a little deeper, asking applicational questions and things like that. This week, there'll be five videos in your inbox um, for each morning on your Facebook page, on our YouTube page, to um, explain each one of those. But we want to help you as a family uh, hide God's word in your heart and to um, make God's word, the Bible, the very center of your home and have it impact your hearts and have it be around you and have it inform your minds and have it manipulate, like shape your language, everything about you. We want it to be a, a part of you, okay? And so grab one before you go home. Cool? All right. And then um, let's go ahead and just prior to uh, beginning the sermon, I'd love to just pray for, uh, pray for us, pray for our time. Um, and especially two things. Uh, one, as you know, um, that Raleigh and Bonnie, uh, especially Bonnie, has been struggling physically. Uh, she has had cancer and got got some, you know, just surgery and things like that. And she is headed in for her second surgery this Thursday, the 21st. So we're going to pray for her as a church. Um, and then I also uh, think it would be just important to uh, pray for our country. I know that you have... Um, just battling thoughts, can you know, just uh, heavy hearts, and uh, all those songs that we just sang, especially it's like our song, the All Hail King Jesus, Democrats, Republicans alike, we can ascribe to Jesus being our King and to trusting Him. And uh, we need each other to help in that process of trusting. Amen. So um, let's let's pray for those two things together. Would you bow your heads with me? And so, Father, um, we pause and surrender once again our lives to you. We trust you. We trust your leadership. We know that, that your son, Jesus, he is the good shepherd. He is our chief shepherd. And he is not asleep. He's not negligent. Uh, he's not gone fishing. He is actively at work. Prior to creation, prior before the beginning of time, all of our days were ordained for us. Lord, we just delight and remember that you know the number of hairs on our head. And so we, we celebrate the fact that you know and love Bonnie. And that you are working in her life, in Raleigh's life, and in the lives of people in this church. We, uh, we pray 
as she is headed into the surgery, that you would guide the doctor, guide and give him wisdom, um, let his let his hand be steady, let his um, heart be still and confident. I pray that Raleigh would be a prayerful husband and that um, just as they have been, I pray that they would use this opportunity to witness to the the, the hospital staff, to those around them, um, and that they could sing of the goodness of God amidst um, high times and low times. Would you give them the grace to do that? And we also pray for our country. You tell us to do so in the scriptures, to pray for those who are in authority over us, uh, our leadership. Lord, you are not apart from government. And so we're trusting with what is, uh, what is happening in our nation. And I pray that the church would awake, the church would rise up, that we would, that we would be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Not strong in opinions. Lord, there is many opportunities to disagree. I pray that the church would be the first to love, would be the first to serve. Lord, let us and help us uh, live out the commands of Christ. And may this church reflect just a genuine state of, of peace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's good to pray together. Good to sing together. And now let's submit ourselves under God's word together. If we haven't said it yet this morning, good morning, Faith. Excellent. Thank you. So uh, help me out with the ages, seven and under. Seven and under, if, you, if, you're, if your parents are like, yeah, absolutely. If you want to stay, that's great. If you want to head on back, head on back. Thanks for worshiping with us, kids. Well, let's get started. So, hey, you know we are a church, and a church is a group of people that is marked out by the Spirit, that is committed to following Jesus. We follow His commands. We, we, we love Him. We cherish Him. And we need each other to help us do that and to glorify God in the process. And uh, in this church, we have, um, we have communicated as followers of Jesus, we've communicated the life of Jesus um, by way of three arrows um, so we gotta we gotta figure out and summarize how he lives so we know how to live. And so we say that that Jesus reached up. He he lived his life in a directionally upward manner, that he loved the Father, that he submitted to the Father. He often escaped and prayed all of his life. Everything was accordance to the will of the Father. So we say that he lived upwards, and we want to call each other to live a life that seeks him in all that we do. And we say that uh, he lived a life outward, that he was always, he always had a pulse, a heart for the lost, those who are far from the Lord, his whole ambition in coming to earth. He became a babe, died on the cross, 
so that those who are enemies of God, those who are far from God, could be brought near outward. We also say he lived a life inward, not of, not of like exclusivity or retreat, but he focused on loving those in the body of Christ too. And we look at his life and examine the pattern or even the strategy of how he lived. And we say that he lived his life and invested into a few people, 12, but especially three of the 12 disciples. And we want to pattern our life after that. And so uh, every January, we return to our foundation series and we talk about that and we talk about Christ and we talk about how that applies to our church and our community and how we're going to live. And so today, as Dave said, uh, today is called In Sunday. So if you're new with us, that's just in reference to a life lived inwards, loving the brethren, the body of Christ, the church, how to do that. Uh, at this church, we encourage our members to be in a group and to serve on a team. Those are like our rails to run on so that you can obey the one another's of Scripture. Um, and and uh, I think there's like 56 or 57 of them so that you can have tangible um, pathways to pursue Jesus by loving others. Um, and so today, um, the title uh, of the sermon, if you're taking notes, and I would encourage you to do so, today the title goes along with this, this notion of up and in and out because um, the Christian life, as we live it, we say here, and we've, we've said it before, is intensely relational. That the Christian life is not just like um, hiding in a closet, although sometimes we do to pray. It is intensely relational. We invite people into a relationship with God and with one another. That's both the great commandment to love God and the great commission to love one another. And so um, we're going to tackle today the title. It is Jesus in Relationships. Jesus in Relationships. And the big idea of the message today is that making disciples teaches others what Jesus taught as Jesus taught it by His Spirit. Making disciples teaches others what Jesus taught as Jesus taught it and by his spirit. So, of course, let's go to like one of the great foundational texts of scripture to start off our time. Would you turn with me to Matthew 28? And we'll start in verse 19. Matthew 28, this is called the Great Commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. All right, so clearly here we're seeing Jesus calling his followers, calling disciples to make disciples. So that's the calling of our life. 
if you've been with us for a while, this shouldn't like rattle your cage or go, oh, that's new. You've never said that, Pastor Newman or whatever. That's like, that's like good baseline Christianity. So first, you must become a disciple of Jesus, which, is, which means learner. You must give your life to him as, as we talked about and, and sang about. And then giving your life to him means that you are committed and called to influencing, encouraging, helping others to grow in Christ. I'll say it differently. If you become a disciple of Jesus, the very pathway, the thing that you are becoming as a Christian is one who is called or sent to help other people mature in Christ, both to know, know him first and then to grow to be like him. That is your calling, whether you're a teacher, an accountant, or whatever, that is who you are if you are in Christ. Um, back on the, our, our book cart, we have this book, and it has a great title. It's super creative. It's called Discipleship. Isn't that a great title? <laughs> and the subtitle, it's blue. It's probably 10 bucks or something back there. The subtitle is Helping Others Follow Jesus. Uh, let me read a quote to you from that book. It says, Discipling is basic to Christianity. Part of growing in maturity is helping others grow in maturity. God wants you to be in church, not merely so that your needs are met, but so that you will be equipped and encouraged to care for others. Isn't that a great quote? You're in church not just to get your needs met, but so that you would be equipped and encouraged to care for others. All right, so let's do that. Let me pray. And then I uh, hope you have a great Sunday. And uh, right, no, 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 come on. It's like the, like the beckoning question is, I know, I've just been wondering all my life, how do you do that? What does it mean to make decide? I don't, I, I feel ill-equipped to help another person grow in their relationship with Jesus. There's this part in the Great Commission that especially is pointed to believers in the year 2021. And I want to focus on it a little bit. It says, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. That, my friends, I mean, doesn't that make you feel a little bit uncomfortable? Yeah, I know. I know. It's like, it's like, I mean, have you ever like washed the dishes and you've gotten your like sleeves wet and then like your sleeves are wet all day? How uncomfortable is that? You know, or maybe you stepped in a puddle and your socks are soaked. And especially in Ohio in January, it's just uncomfortable all day. And then you come to church and the pastor reads the Bible. And the Bible tells the believer that we are all called to make disciples. And the chief way of making disciples is to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then to teach them makes me feel uncomfortable. So my aim is, is just, let's just for a moment 
Let's dissect that. Why does that make us feel uncomfortable? What are the layers behind that? I've come up with four of them, I think. Three. Three of them. Haha, three. Okay? So here's, here's me trying to pull back the layers. Why does teaching them cause believers discomfort? Number one, I'm not a teacher, right? That could be said in a vocational manner. Well, let the teachers teach. Or you might have said it like this. Well, I don't have the gift of, I don't have the gift of teaching. Thus, let the ones who have the gift of teaching make disciples. As if it was like some sort of profession or occupation to make disciples. However, we know that this is a call for all, right? And uh, if you grew up up north, uh, you know that like when there's a rink and like the person on the microphone says, this is an all skate, that means everyone goes on the ice and skates, not just the nice like figure skater people. So this is, the Great Commission is an all skate, okay? So number one, I'm not a teacher, Uh uh-uh. All right, number two. This is, this is a valid one, ready? I don't want to be teachy with my life, which is a really good concern. Like, no one wants to be taught at. It feels belittling if there's someone who comes at you and has this, this spirit of, well, let me teach you something, right? And uh, in, in, in Christian terms, It would be, I'm afraid I would come across as self-righteous. Like I have it all together and I don't. And so maybe I'll just wait till I have it all together to make disciples. Or I'm just going to not go there. Number three. Number two is I don't want to be teachy. Number three. And again, we're peeling back the layers of, of why does it, why do we struggle or why do we feel discomfort comfort when the Great Commission calls us to teach them to obey all that I've commanded? Number three, and this is one that I've experienced as well, so I'm right with you guys. Maybe something along the lines of, I shouldn't have to teach them. Sometimes we get frustrated when we have to teach, don't we? Like maybe maybe your parent, like moms and dads, can you think of the last time you got frustrated and it was of this expectation like, I can't believe I even have to say this, right? And there's this notion of they should get this by osmosis. Um, it should just naturally happen. I remember a few years ago, I was convicted of this. There's this ball in our yard and I was like, They should see the ball and put it where balls go, like in the bucket. I shouldn't have to say it. And I felt like this inner turmoil, like this frustration in my heart. And it was, I shouldn't, I don't want to say it. I don't want to father. I don't want to parent. I just want everything to happen. Are you with me? And so the frustration comes with, I'm frustrated that this follower of Jesus isn't, isn't getting it. And I, 
and I have to teach them. Or I don't want to speak into their life about how to handle a conversation rightly or better or more glorifying to God. And the, the discomfort is that they might be a distraction to your schedule or to just your life or your reputation or your feelings. or It, it makes me feel uncomfortable that I even have to say something. But this process, church, is called helping a fellow believer grow in Christ. Friends, this is called teaching them to obey. And I pray that this would be a foundational message for our church, that we would understand how Jesus lived in relationship so that we could reflect him with each other and the world around us. All right, so here's a prayer, okay? Just a real raw prayer, all right? If you so far have been following me, and if you're just kind of on the edge of your seat and your heart going, yeah, I, I felt that before. This is a prayer for you this morning. Lord, would you show me how to handle those discomforts? Lord, would you show me how your son did it? Would you show me how he taught his disciples? Because if it's my calling, I want to do it. But I want to do it like your son, Jesus. I need help. And so that's the turning point, the hinge point in this morning's sermon. There's a lot of places to go to find out how Jesus did it. But in order to help us just remember this time, I'm going to use 1 Corinthians 13 as pegs in the hole for us to remember, okay? If God is love, and if Jesus was God and is God, which he is, then when 1 Corinthians says love is patient, and love is kind, is not envy, is not proud, is not self-seeking, is not, is not keep records of wrongs, all those love passages, it's not just like this cool Valentine's Day text or a wedding text. This is going to help us today understand how Jesus was patient with his disciples. How was he kind? How was Jesus not arrogant? How was he not rude? And I pray that this will help you relate to one another in your groups and in relationship with one another, in your friendships, in your families, in our church. So let's get after it together, shall we? The first one, love is patient. Love is patient. And I'm just choosing a few of them. We're not going to go through the whole passage. We don't have enough time for that. Love is patient. Church, Jesus was patient in every way with his disciples. The English word patience can be translated in a couple different ways in, in the Greek New Testament. But here, it especially gives the emphasis of being long-tempered. Patience, dash, long-tempered. Okay, And it shows itself in how Christians bear with one another. Or you could say bear up or carry each other's weight with one another. It's not just an issue of time. It's an issue of, at the heart, being content 
with being long-suffering or long-tempered with other believers. So it's not saying, oh, you just need to wait longer. It's saying we must bear up. If you want an image, it would be something like this. Um, I don't know if any of you have taken the, the, the muscle max class at the Y, right? But um, you put the bar behind your shoulders uh, and, it, you know, heavy lifters get in a squat rack, but uh, muscle max, they get behind their little step thing, you know, and they put the weight on their shoulders and they bear up under the weight. If it's too heavy or if you get tired, uh, you go like this and it falls on the rack for heavy lifters. But to bear up or to be patient with the weight that God has given you, right? It, you slowly take the weight and you slowly take it down and you slowly bring it back up. That's being patient as a person who squats weight. That's the image of Jesus. That's what it means when love is patient. To take someone else's weight and to slowly get in there and get up under it. You could say in relationships, uh-uh, I ain't lifting that. Or you could pursue and get right in there. So how did Christ do that? I would say that the, the great example is in the manger. Like he's the perfect example of divine patience. Like he came from on high to the earth in a humble manner to bear the sins of man. Like his whole MO, his whole like philosophy of ministry was incarnation. I am coming to save mankind from their sins. I will carry the weight. And so he came lowly and pursued us. And in that journey from manger all the way to cross, he experienced tremendous amount of opportunities to not be patient, right? He, was, he, he experienced opposition the moment he stepped into the world. Like he, under, he was misunderstood at every turn. He um, encountered people who didn't trust him. Even his own followers left him. You remember one time that, that he said, hey, hey, followers, hey, friends, hey, disciples, pray, pray for one hour and I'll be back. And then he came back. And you remember what he said? Could, could you not wait? And could you not pray for, for one hour? He was patient with them. And then he was spat upon and abused and humiliated. He was shamed. The agony of the cross. If you want to know what patience is, what long-suffering is, look to Jesus. Jesus was patient in every way. And here's the, here's the message, or here's the point. If the Lord of love patiently lives in you, then your love will grow to be patient too. You got it? If you have Christ, he's going to help you be patient with other people. But he wants you to ask, Lord, would you help me be patient in this situation? How would you do it? 
So just to run to application, like this is our call in relationship with one another to be patient. So in your groups this semester, slowly get under the bar with people and bear with one another the joys and sorrows of life. Do it through prayer, right? Do it through serving one another, care for one another. And while you're doing that, you are teaching them and teach them how to follow Jesus in the process so that they can observe or obey all that he has commanded. I was talking with one of our group leaders and I asked him, like, what's his prayer? What's, what's his goal for his group? And he said, you know, I really just want our group to be a group outside of our group time. <laughs> like, I want us to be the church outside of an hour and a half time. Like, that we would be calling each other. Hey, I was just on my way to work and just checking how you're doing. Hey, how's your time in the Word? Hey, any prayer requests? Hey, you want to come over for... Hey, how's your daughter doing? How's your son doing? Hey, can we go to a game? Yeah. Ooh, it's just in community, in life with one another. Not just like, oh, all right. I mean, I can kind of sacrifice one hour a week or something, whatever. That our group would be a group outside of our group. <laughs> I love that prayer. What a great call for our whole church, isn't it? So, friends, love is patient. All right, let's, let's learn how our Lord was kind in relationships. You're taking notes? Next point, love is kind. Okay, so this really, uh, let me geek out with you, okay? This is apparently the first time the Greek verb to be kind appeared in any historical text, any written work in existence. Isn't that crazy that Paul formulated kindness? It was certainly there. People were kind prior to Paul taking a pen to the scroll here. But it's the first time it was succinctly given a verb. One author states, we can define what kindness is but we have never really seen it in action until now. So it captures kindness, all sorts of qualities like, like caring and treating others better than they deserve and being generous and being thoughtful, gentle, all of that. Paul went, thank you, Holy Spirit, kind. This week, as, as I've just been trying to uh, cook a meal for you, I've been captured by the, the old story, and you guys remember the song, when Jesus came to Zacchaeus. And he saw him in a sycamore tree, and what did he say? Remember? For I'm Zacchaeus, you come, for I'm going to your house today, for I'm going to your house today, right? Like this, this Jesus, our Lord, pursued someone undeserving. He didn't deserve to be pursued. He was a tax collector. You're supposed to go like this. Ugh. After like your first reading of it. That's what the original audience would have done. Ugh. And Jesus pursues him. And he eats with him. And he talks with him. And he spends time with him. In a word, he was kind. Watch this. Paul, but he was Saul, on the road to Damascus. 
the clouds open up and he sees the glory of God. Jesus himself speaks with him, right? He says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then this is how Paul now converted, scales peeled off. This is how he communicates what happened. I saw the loving kindness of God, our Savior. I have never seen that before until this week. I saw the kindness. We've been in Romans. The kindness of our Lord is what leads people to repentance. It's, it's what led me to repentance, not of my own accord or good thoughts or good behavior. Certainly wasn't that. It was the kindness of God. So we can gather from these texts that being kind isn't just saying niceties to people. Kindness is something that will fuel our relationships. It causes you to pursue others, whether the person is walking with the Lord or whether the person is in sin. So kindness is not a ticket to not discuss all the hard things in life, the yucky things, the muddy things, like the, the, like the hard stuff, like kindness, the kindness of our Lord that is living in you actually prods you to step into others' lives and in a kind manner, help people get out of the mud. That's the kindness of the church. So Christians, in your relationship with your groups and in your church throughout the week, your call is to be kind to one another. Out of the kindness of our Lord. Quick applicational question. Here, 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 here's like just low-hanging fruit. Is there someone the Lord would have you pursue with kindness this week? <laughs> like what names come to mind? That's the Holy Spirit working in your life. Pursue them in kindness. Love is kind. Uh, let's see how Jesus was not arrogant in his relationships. So next point, love is not arrogant. All right, so Paul set us up here to understand Christ, to understand love by explaining what it isn't, right? Love is patient. Love is kind hey, let me tell you something that it's not, and it's not arrogant. So how does the church attain unity and love God among themselves and not be arrogant with each other? And I would say the answer is we must look to Christ. And specifically, probably a, the best answer, again, is his incarnation. Here's some different verbiage to talk about how Jesus became man. It's found in 2 Corinthians 8, 9. Don't go there. Let me just read it for you, okay? It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, rich meaning like he had all the heavenly riches, the wealth, he gave it all up, yet for your sake he became poor, became a man, came to like ugly earth, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Man, what a great verse. 
I love that. He became poor so that you could become rich. In short, he puts others before himself, all of mankind before himself. So how do we not be arrogant as a church? Like, how does that play out in our context? And I would say a great starting point would be to be learners of others, right? Like in our groups and in conversation, you know that the, the humble man, the humble woman is marked by being a good question asker, right? We've all met those folks who are like dominated in conversations, right? But th those who want to learn each other serve the body of Christ by asking good questions and getting to know. Why? Because they're valuing the other person more than themselves. You're saying, you know what? You are important, and I want to I hold you up. And in that, you are taking part in helping other, people's, other people grow in Christ, helping them mature, taking part by the Great Commission. You're both modeling and teaching others the ways of Christ simply by just asking them questions and listening. So friends, here's an encouragement. Be a good question asker. And you know what? Our family has been especially blessed by this congregation moving to Ohio. But we have noticed that you guys are tremendous at this skill. Um, usually, like it's like, oh, the pastor has to come up with all the good questions to ask in conversations. That is not so. We have been mutually encouraged by this church. We love this church. And you guys minister to us like crazy so keep it up. Excel still more. In your groups, Like just dive in getting to know one another and the Lord together. Amen? All right. Let's go to love is not rude. We've got two more. Love is not rude. So in our relationships, as we love each other and as we grow deeper as friends and uh, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we've got to model our lives around the fact that Jesus wasn't rude at all. Our lives can't be marked by any notion of rudeness. Like we need to be on the track of following Jesus and reject being rude. One commentator writes about Jesus. He says, he was never rude or said, quote, smart things just to get a laugh. Listen to this. This is Luke 4, 22. All marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. None of the words that were coming from his mouth was rude at all. It wasn't smart or just to get a laugh. He was not rude. So just to run to it real quick. As we look to our Lord to make disciples and teach others how to grow in Him, how to follow Him, we got to remember that Jesus was never ever rude. We got to pray, Lord, would you help me? Would you identify areas in my life that sometimes I'm prone to being rude? And watch the Holy Spirit work as He dwells in you.
I would say the opposite of rudeness, at least the part of it is self-control. And so your prayer could be, Lord, would you help me with self-control by the power of the Spirit so that I could point people to Jesus by not being rude? And the next one and the last one is this. Love is not irritable. <laughs> How about that one? Should we just pray or does that require a little bit of explanation? I know, I know. Okay, all right, this is a good one for me, okay? It's so easy to be irritable, isn't it? It's so easy. Like I remember uh, this past summer when we went camping up to Michigan and uh, I did not check my email like close enough and our campsite was canceled because of flooding, okay? So we pulled in after midnight, all our stuff packed, like really tired and there were like orange barricades around our campsite and it was raining at the time, okay? And so like we talked to the camper head person, whatever they're called, ranger, and we're like, hey, we'd like to sleep now. And he's like, well, did you check your email? And through a series, it was like, oh my word, they did cancel our thing. Hey, we're, we're from Ohio. Like, can we sleep somewhere? And so they put us in this like makeshift area and we set up our tent in the middle of the night. And like there was rain, like dripping right on my forehead all night. And like, I was like bathing in cold water in Michigan, from Michigan. I know. And then we woke up and it was like time to like set up the tent. And I was pulling things out and things were getting muddy. And they put us in this campsite with two massive like pools right in the middle of it. Okay. It was like, this is great. I love camping. I love camping. Right. And then like nine to 10 o'clock, right. No fire, no food. This uh, Hannah goes, Hey, uh, I think we should go get some coffee now, you know? And I was like, what? Right. And I needed Jesus in that moment and caffeine, right? And everyone was cold. And so like kids got hot chocolate and I got coffee and like we came back and I was like, okay. I get irritable too. Um, love though is not irritable. So um, here's a moralistic way to teach the Bible. Love's not irritable, so don't be irritable, okay? Everyone stop it. Everyone stop being irritable. Um, but the deeper, the deeper like gospel understanding of each of these, and, but this one in particular would be that if you are irritated at a situation, a circumstance, a relationship, your fundamental irritation is against God. This first happened in the garden when the serpent fed us a lie and asked, hey, did God really say that? And Is he really fair and loving? And, and then we just got irritated at the situation. I want to eat whatever I want, right? And irritation with God like bled into irritation with fellow man, and in this case, a marriage husband and a wife. And our Lord Jesus was placed right in the middle of a situation where he could have been so often easily irritated with all sorts of circumstances and people from being born in a barn to not 
like to, to having people not meet expectations, to people trying to kill him, you name it, the opportunity for Jesus to be irritated was there. And I just want to show you one verse, and then we'll be done. And it's Isaiah 53. We're learning, Lord, if I'm going to make disciples, how, how can I do this like Christ? Watch Jesus here. Isaiah 53, the famous verse 7. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Oh, man. Our Lord didn't open his mouth when he was oppressed and afflicted. Never once did he utter an irritating word. Thank you, Jesus. How did he not do this? How did he not get irritated or easily angered? He submitted to the Father. He loved God. He trusted in the providential governance of God upon his life. God was in control. And if he is in control, then he has intense love for me. So this is the remedy for our irritation, to know and trust the love of the Father towards us through his Son, Jesus. That's not a, a Sunday school answer. That is real. So friends, just to summarize, if Jesus came to earth, and it is this Jesus who is love, and he died on the cross. And he came, he, he came to deal with our lack of patience. That's, that, that was his ambition. That's what he wanted to do. Like, if it was this Jesus that came to earth, he died on the cross to deal with our tendencies to lash out and not be kind. Like, Jesus came to earth and died on the cross to deal with our arrogance. He came to earth. He died on the cross so that our knee-jerk reaction wouldn't be rudeness to our spouses or our children or our siblings or our in-laws or our church or anyone or everyone. He came to deal with that. There's so much hope. And it is this Jesus that came to earth and died on the cross to deal with our irritability with God and with one another. But listen to the beauty of God's work in your life today. It is also why the Spirit of Christ dwells in you today. He wants to produce in you a greater love and ability to be patient with one another. This is why the Spirit of Christ dwells in you. He wants to produce in you a greater kindness, not just for nicety's sake, but to pursue one another. He wants to produce in you. And he not just an increase of love for yourself. No, of course not. He wants to produce in you a humble spirit so that you can love others. It is why the Spirit of Christ dwells in you today so that he is, produces in you self-control instead of rudeness. 
And it's why the Spirit of Christ dwells in you today, to produce in you a heart that trusts and, and embraces the love of God for you and his plan for your life and not irritability. Love is patient. Our Lord was patient. And Jesus was kind. He was not self-seeking. He wasn't arrogant. He wasn't proud. He wasn't rude. He wasn't easily angered. We could go on and on, but we won't. We'll stop it there. Friends, that's your call. Run to him. Ask him for help. And the spirit that is at work in you will help you. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for giving us your scriptures, that your ideas, your very heart was captured in black and white, in ink on a page, so that we can see and know for certain that this is what you want for us. Would you help us now? Would you help us as we love one another, as we seek to um, glorify God in the church? Would you produce in us all those qualities that your son Jesus lived perfectly? And Lord, we know we won't attain those in and of our own strength, by our own abilities. But as we grow progressively, we are going to praise you, Lord. And we're going to thank you, and we are going to give you all the glory and honor. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand? And let's close our service in song.